So this week, we are going to talk about the Trinity, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, if you did not know, the Holy Spirit is about like Bruno, amen? We don't talk about Bruno. No, no. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, we don't talk about the Holy Spirit. We just don't. Like, for some reason, especially in the Baptist faith, when you say the Holy Spirit, Baptists get all, you know, ugh. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, we get all weirded out. We're like, man, he's going to go Pentecostal on us. We get all kind of crazy. Donnie went kind of Church of Christ. Don't say me when he quit playing. Some of y'all are like, what is he doing? I mean, you know what I mean? Like literally, uh, for the most part, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, we clam up. Because we don't know what to do with him. We don't know what to do with him. And let me promise you, there are people who preach and they will take, you know, some, some water and they'll put it on the stage. They'll put some ice on the stage. They'll put some drives on the stage and say, this is like God. Let me promise you, hear me loud and clear. God is not like water. God is not like an egg. God is not something you can throw in a blender and mix all up together and say, this is God. God's in a complete different category. The Bible would say God is holy, which means he is so separated from us, we have no way of truly, fully knowing how God is. But of course, what does God do? God reveals himself to us. God reveals himself to us slowly and surely. We talked about this on week number one through a process called progressive, progressive revelation, which means God slowly shows us who he is and what he's about. From Genesis all the way to Revelation is God revealing himself to us because God wants to be known by us. God wants to be known by us because God wants to dwell in relationship with us. But the Holy Spirit, we're kind of like, you know, give me God the Father, give me God the Son, you can keep the Holy Spirit. And I kid you not, if you were to ask me what the church has really done these past several decades, is we've put our power in a box. And we've blamed it on culture. We've blamed it on COVID. We've blamed on everything when we have this great power that God has given us through the power of His Spirit. And we have not used it, we've left it in a lot of ways. And so this morning we'll be in John's Gospel, chapter 16. John's Gospel, chapter 16, verse number 5 to begin with. And then we're going to be um, all over the place a little bit. We'll be in Matthew some today. and We'll be in Galatians. Uh, John 16, verse number 5. Um, before we get going through John 16, I want to pay attention to three things here about what the Trinity does, okay? So point number one, um, point number one, you'll see it on there. The Father initiates, the Son accomplishes, and the Spirit applies, okay? So that's kind of guiding parameters here for us, okay? The Father initiates, so the Father always starts something. The Son accomplishes what the Father wants, and then the Spirit applies what the Son has accomplished. So this is the, the healthy way to look in the Bible, guys. If you want to read with Trinitarian eyes, that's a big word there. If you want to read the Bible in a Trinitarian way as saying, where do I see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit? Then you need to think of those three ways which God reveals himself. So the Father always initiates, the Son always accomplishes, and the Spirit always applies. And it's very important we understand those are distinct roles, okay? Distinct roles but also they can kind of move out of those roles if they do wish, okay? So John 16, verse number 5. But now I am going to him who sent me. This is Jesus talking here. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things, your sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, notice the helper there, the helper is capitalized. The helper will not come to you. 
And if I go, I will send him to you. Him is attached to helper. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father. And if And if you see me no longer concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse number 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me and he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine and therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So there is a lot going on in this passage. If you really want to look at the last week of Jesus' life, this is in that last week of Jesus' life. This is where he is literally hashing out some final details, final moments with him, final sermons, you could say, leading up to the crucifixion. And this is him telling them that, guess what, I am going to leave. I'm going to leave. Now, here's the amazing thing about Jesus. Jesus hid some things from the disciples, but one thing he did not hide from the disciples was he was not staying permanently. Over and over again, he would say, I'm going to go die. And at one point, he says he is going to go die. And what does Peter say? He says, no, you're not, Lord. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Get behind me, Satan, because I have to do what the Father has laid out for me to do. I've got to walk this path. I've got to do these things. So Jesus is laying down for them, hey, I'm going to leave, but don't worry. I'm not going to leave you without some help. I'm not going to leave you without some help. And look what he says here. He says, it's for your advantage that I go away. I don't know about you, but in 2022, reading this text, I still am thinking, Lord, are you sure? Jesus, are you sure that it's for my advantage that you're not physically here with us? Because if you know much about church history, you know that he actually does leave them. You know that Jesus gets crucified. You know that Jesus gets killed. You know that Jesus gets resurrected. You know that Jesus walks on the earth for 40 days. And you know at the end of the story, Jesus is taken up, the word of God says, into the clouds, passing through the the first heaven, the second heaven, all the way to heaven itself. Amen. And you know that the disciples were there like this. They stood there for so long, church, the angels had to come down and smack them on the back of the head and say, men of Galilee, why do you sit here gazing up at the sun for the same man who was taken up and one day return? And you know what those guys did? Those 120 believers, you know what they did? They believed he was coming back the next day. They believed he was coming back the next month. And guess what? We have been waiting on the sun to return for almost 2,000 years now. And yet we still are here waiting. So when I read that in the, in the gospel here, where it's for your advantage that I go, look what he says, because I will send a helper to you. And he will convict the world, and he will be the spirit of truth. He will guide. He will not speak of his own authority, but he will do the things. He will tell you about the things that are to come. So he's going to tell the future, right? And he will do all these things. He'll declare it to you, and he will do everything that I've even done with you. So he says over and over again, he says, guess what? I'm going to send a helper, and he is going to be with you. And you might be reading this thing, and why is this such a big deal? Because you need to understand some things about Jesus here. 
I talked about this last week, but we have to look at this this week again because you need to understand something. When Jesus was born through a virgin, right? When Jesus became man through the incarnation, right? He did not put on flesh and then when he got to heaven, take off his flesh, hanging on the coat rack and like, Father, I'm home. I'm done being a man. No, he's still a man to this day. You need to understand that. Why? Because when that happens, you need to understand, whenever Jesus was on the earth for those 33 and a half years, the Son of God was contained by the very flesh itself to one place at one time because he only had one body that was flesh. So you know what that means? Wherever Jesus was, that's where the Son was. He wasn't omnipresence is the fancy theological way of saying that. He wasn't everywhere at once. He was confined to one spot. So that's the big deal when he says it's to your advantage that go because Jesus could only be in one place at one time at one place. But the Spirit, oh, this is the secret sauce, church. But the Spirit can be in all places, in all of God's people at one time. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that powerful to think about? So there's some things we need to understand about the Holy Spirit because many people put Him in another category. Like I said, you're down with the Father, you're down with the Son, you ain't down with Bruno, and you ain't down with the Holy Spirit, amen? You're just not down with it. And so the Holy Spirit, you need to understand some things, He is equal with God. He's equal with God, why? Because you see in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately He went up from the water, and behold, the heavens opened to him, and saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming to rest on him. And behold, the voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. So, right here in the scripture, when Jesus got baptized, you see the Trinity in full on display. Why? Because you have the Son being baptized. You have the Father proclaiming through all of eternity, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And you have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove. He's descending in the form of a dove. And so in this beautiful picture here, you have all three parts of the Trinity leaping off the pages of the Bible. And you all missed it. Amen. Because it's a masterful thing here what's happening. You can see every person at work in the Trinity right here. Let me just, let me just piggyback off. Do you mind if I chase a rabbit this morning? Amen. You, look at this this morning. I want you to look at this. It says here that this happens at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It says when Jesus' ministry began, he came to John the Baptist, and he said, I need to be baptized by you. And John said, hold up. I need to be baptized by you. And what did Jesus say? No, this is the way. Amen. Mandalorian, this is the way. I mean, you know what I mean? This is the way you got to do. And so sure enough, this was the way that they had to do things. But I want you to notice something here. The Father is eternally pleased in the Son before the Son's ever done anything. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hadn't died yet. Jesus hadn't done any miracles yet. Jesus has not been resurrected yet. Jesus has not went and got the, de- the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Jesus hadn't accomplished anything he's supposed to accomplish yet. And yet the Father's already singing over him, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Guys, this is a gospel wink here because let me tell you something. God's not pleased because of what you do. God's pleased because of who you are. And it's not who you are, but it's who you are in Christ. That's how much God's pleased with you. This is why we say over and over again, you cannot earn the favor of God. Why? Because God's favor has been lavished on you through the Son. 
So even on your worst day, even those days where you get to your Bible reading plan and it's in Leviticus and Bible reading plans go to die, amen, and you read through Leviticus, fall asleep at night, like, Lord, forgive me. And those deals you make with God, that's why God's love doesn't change like human love, amen. God's love is eternal. Why? Because God doesn't love, God is love. It's a big deal. He didn't fall in and out of love, God is love. So he eternally loves us. Matthew, at 20, Matthew 28 with the Great Commission. Look at this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here, once again, on the scale of God, Godhead, right? On the scale of who's a God, who's not a God, you have God the Father, you have God the Son, you have God the Spirit. Why? Because this is such a big deal. Because remember, He is placed up there with the other two members of the Trinity. So baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They're all three on the same category of God. Because they're all three God. So it's not like, you know, baptize them in the Father and the Son, and maybe the Holy Spirit if you want to. No, they're all three put up there. Look, he says, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Guys, for us reading this in the New Testament, we are very familiar with the, with the Holy Spirit of God. But let me tell you something. The Israelites were very familiar with the Holy Spirit of God in a special way as well. You see, it was a, God's Spirit would rush upon a man or a woman, and they could do powerful things. In the Word of God, we're told that Samson, being full of God's Spirit, took up a jawbone of a donkey. I mean, I would love to quote KJV right there, amen. And he took up the jawbone of a donkey and went to whooping and a whopping. And it says every time he would go whooping and a whopping, amen, God's Spirit would rush upon him. And then it would leave. Because in the Old Testament, guess what? God's Spirit would rush upon people and then it would leave them. But you ought to praise God. That's Old Covenant, amen. We're in the New Covenant. You are to praise God, that's in the Old Testament, we're in the New Testament. You are to praise God that we don't lose God's Spirit these days, because if you could lose it, you would. Some of y'all are thinking, well, I believe I could lose my salvation. You would, if you could. How do you know? You lose your keys. I've been looking for my glasses through my glasses before, amen? You talk about silly don't be looking at me judgmental back there, amen. Hunter's got his safety glasses stapled to his forehead, amen. He ain't losing his. But I'm telling you, I lose stuff all the time. If you could lose it, you would. Why? But here's the great thing. You don't have the ownership of it because Christ does because Christ cannot lose it. Eternal security is what we call that. But you need to understand the Holy Spirit for us in the New Testament does the same things He did for the saints in the Old Testament. His work hasn't changed. It ain't like when we got to the new covenant, God became a new person. Guys, let me tell you something. The same God who they worshipped at Sinai is the same God we worship today. The Bible would say like this, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That doesn't mean God... That I, want you to understand, I need you to understand this. God's character doesn't change. So that means every single thing about God in the Old Testament is true for everything about God in the New Testament. And this is a big deal for us. Why? Because the Spirit in the Old, as well as the Spirit in the New, He does a very special work. He does a very special work. Why? Because remember, the Holy Spirit applies what the Son has accomplished. The fancy word for this, He illuminates. He brings light to what is already there. 
You know what's amazing? When you turn the light on, the light doesn't make things appear. It just shows things that are already there that were already present. So it reveals things. It illuminates what's going on around you. It illuminates, right? The Holy Spirit takes the very Word of God, church, and He illuminates it to us. He illuminates it in such a special way. Why? Because me and you, when we read this book, and we don't have God's Spirit to help us, listen to me here very carefully because you're going to get way off in la-la land if you don't pay attention here. When we read this book without the Holy Spirit illuminating it to us, then this is just a book. It's just words on a page. It's just stories that have been handed down from generation to generation. It's fantasy and weirdness and crazy, crazy stuff that makes no sense. But when we come to God's Word, oh, church, when we come to the perfect law of liberty, when we come to the thing that is timeless and ageless, why? Because ages do not time it and time does not age it. When we come to this holy book of God and the Holy Spirit brings it to life in the very pages of rice which it's printed on, it becomes illuminated in such a way the Bible says it becomes alive. Some of you are thinking, that's not my Bible plan. Let me ask you this, church. Before you open your Bible, you know what you need to do? You need to pray. Before you begin reading God's holy word, you need to pray, God, help me see what I don't want to see. God, help this book come alive to such a dead man such as I. God, truly, let this book say something to me that shows me something about who you are and who I am. God, make this book come alive. Through your spirit, God, make it leap off the page. Make it grab me. Because you know what this book has become? The older I get, it's become a mirror. Sometimes I love what I see in the Bible. I mean, sometimes I don't like what I see. Sometimes I'll be fighting with Emily and I'll look over at Ephesians and make sure God still got it right. Amen, he does. It's still in there, amen. Wishing it'd change. It's still in there. Because the older I get, the more I see that this book says awful more about, has, says awful more about the Lord than it does about me. Some of you reading the book, you think, you know, the Bible's about me and you. You've missed it. The Bible's about our great Heavenly Father who sent His Son on a rescue mission, who sent His Holy Spirit to make sure that rescue mission is still being accomplished today. That's where we're at today. How does He illuminate? I'm glad you asked. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26, look what it says here. But I say to you, walk by the Spirit... Now you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other. And to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But you are, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Look what it says here, church. The works of the flesh are are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalrous, divisionness, divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and all those things. I warn you as I have warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Verse number 20, but the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. You ought to praise God every time you're reading a letter of Paul, every time you're reading a verse of the Bible, and it says but, you know it's going to be good. But the works, the fruit of the Spirit, it says, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there, are, there is no law. But those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. There's a lot right here. There's a lot. I could preach a whole sermon on this right here. But we don't got time for that today, man. Because here's the truth of the matter. You see here that Paul is contrasting somebody who has the Lord as their father and somebody who has the devil as their father. You must say, whoa, Pastor, what do you mean? That's what Jesus would say. Jesus said you're either from two seeds. You're either from, from the Lord or either from the devil himself. Either are living in the flesh, which is obeying the lustful desires of the flesh, which is being ruled by the king of darkness himself, which is Lucifer. Or the Bible would also say that you're either under the Father, or you're under the Spirit, where you are led by the Spirit. Make no, make no mistake about it, church. You're either led by the flesh or you're led by the Spirit. There is no absolute freedom. This is counterculture in American Christianity, but there is no absolute freedom in Christ. There is led freedom. Because let me tell you something, when you have absolute freedom, you choose wrong. You do. You know the phrases we say over and over again? The heart wants what it wants. I love those posts on Facebook. Just do whatever makes you feel happy. Sometimes what makes me feel happy in traffic is ramming somebody and pulling them out of the car and beating them to a pulp. That would make me feel happy, amen? Sometimes it would make me feel happy getting behind somebody at Walmart who does not know how to count change. That would make me lose my mind. I mean, that make me feel happy. But we know at times, let me tell you something, that's the worst advice you can get somebody. Just follow your heart. You heard somebody say it to you? Just follow your heart. The Bible would say, don't follow your heart. Because your heart's wicked. Pastor Nick, how do you know my heart's wicked? You're judging me because my heart's wicked. Don't look at me with your self-righteous eyes, amen? Ain't me. Acting like you've never cheated in Spanish class, amen? Looking at me with all the... Acting like you've never done anything illegal in your life. Yeah, look at you judging. Because I'm telling you, we all fall short. We all fall short. Isn't it amazing how the one is works and the other one's fruit? The works of the flesh, they're evident, is what Paul would say. Which means they show themselves over time. They always show back up, he says. They always show back up. They're evident. But the fruit of the Spirit, guess what? It takes time to cultivate. You know what's crazy, church? I've never been driving by a cornfield where they planted corn and saw tomatoes. They've been driving down the interstate and thought, man, I, I, they, planted, they planted corn there and tomatoes came up. Never seen that happen. Now, some of you smart, like, there might be one or two because a seed fell off the daggum thing. But for them, yeah, some of y'all smart, Alex, amen. But I promise you, the seed you put in the ground is the seed that comes up. So let me just talk about this for a minute. The seed that's in the soil, 
the seed that's on the inside, it comes out. The seed always shows itself. So let me, tell, let me tell you this, church. We would call this progressive sanctification. Now I want you to get lost on that big word. Progressive sanctification. So for a Christian, what we believe is we believe in three major theological points. We believe in justification. Justification is a legal term that means what? God has declared you are righteous. Pay attention here. God doesn't say you are righteous. God declares you are righteous. It's a big deal. Because when God declares it, that means it's true. So God declares that you are righteous. So that means He doesn't make you perfect. He says you are perfect through the blood of His Son because He's not looking at your work. He's looking at the finished work of Jesus. So you are justified by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. Justification. Sanctification. Sanctification is the process of, Jesus, of you becoming more like Jesus. Of you becoming more like Jesus. We call it progressive sanctification. Why? Because, guys, over time, the old you should be dying. The old you and the old desires you have should be dying over time. And the new you in Christ should be rising up. This is why when we baptize somebody, what do we say? You are buried with Christ and you are raised to life, right? You're buried with Christ. He's killed who you used to be. And you are raised to life through the Spirit of Christ. So progressive sanctification means you are to become more and more like Jesus. Not because of you, but because God's Spirit lives inside of you. God's Spirit works it so. And then glorification. Glorification means what? We firmly believe that one day we will meet our full sanctification. One day when this old body is transformed to a body like His, the Bible says, then we will be glorified with Christ because of the work of the Spirit, because of the work of Christ, because of the work of the Father sending Christ. So your salvation is not fully complete until you reach glory. And even then it's not complete until, guess what, Jesus comes back and gets your body. And the Bible says our bodies will meet our spirit in the air and they will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Some of y'all thinking, do I get a body catalog? You know, I want 6'2 with abs. Do I get to scroll through? Pick out the body I want. I want hair, amen. Why y'all laughing for? I don't know what your body's going to look like, but I do know it's going to be good. That's what I do know, amen. I love what William Tyndall has to say about the Spirit. He says, where the Spirit is, there is always summer. Where the Spirit is, there is always summer. There are always good fruits that is to say, good works. I love what Martin Luther has to say about this. God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. Woo! At a preach. Because God don't need your good works, but your neighbor does. That's the truth. I love what J.I. Packer has to say about the Spirit. He says it like this, The Christian life in all aspects, intellectually, ethical, devotional, relational, upsurging, in worship, uh, in worship, outgoing, in witness, in supernatural, only the Spirit can initiate and sustain it. Look what it says here. Only the Spirit can initiate and sustain it. So apart from Him, not only will there be no lively believer and no lively congregation, there will be no believer and no congregation at all. Without the Spirit. Some of y'all, this just ain't hitting y'all. 
I can just tell right now, you, 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 went, you went downhill, amen. As soon as I mentioned Bruno, you got it stuck in your head. No, no. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you got it in your head. And ever since then, your attention span went wah, wah, wah. So I got something for you, church. I got something for you. Hopefully you come back in. You're not getting what, you ain't going to get what John says. You ain't going to get what Matthew says. You ain't going to get what Matthew says again. You don't care about Galatians. You don't care about William Tyndall. Amen. But you should know who he is, but you don't. You don't know. You don't care about J.I. Packer. So let me just call out some, some things you would know. Amen. Let me just simplify it the best I possibly can. And there ain't nobody that can do it like Popeye the Sailor Man. Amen. Popeye the Sailor Man. If you like me, when I remember being a little boy, I remember old Popeye. I don't know about you, maybe that's why my entire generation has tattoos, amen? Uh, maybe that's why, you know, my entire generation skipped, uh, you know, upper arm day and just went with forearms. Because old Popeye, right? Old Popeye would walk around, had huge, big, massive forearms, but tiny little biceps. He had his little pipe, you know what I'm talking about, don't act like you don't, Amen. He would walk around, and old Popeye, Devin, you're going to learn something today, amen. Old Popeye, he had a beautiful woman that he must have thought hung the moon, because I don't know why she hung anything else, amen. Named Olive Oil. Oh, Olive Oil would turn sideways, she'd disappear, amen. Little bitty lanky little thing walking around, her and Popeye were so in love. But you know as well as I do, there's got to be a villain in every story. Got to be a villain, every story. So sure enough, there was a villain. You know who it was. What was his name? Anybody remember? Yeah. Oh, Brutus was a big burly man who walked around like this, and he would do whatever he wanted, and he made it his life's mission to try to get Olive from Popeye. He tried to use his force, and sure enough, old Brutus would come around. He'd come a-whooping and a-whopping old Popeye. He'd ring his clock. He'd hit him in a big old goose egg. I mean, it would show up on his head. He'd take him and run him down the street everywhere else. He would get to whooping and a-whopping. But old Popeye, old Popeye had a secret weapon that old Brutus didn't know nothing about. Old Popeye had something that was, oh, you got to get it, church. You got to pay attention. You're going to miss it. Old Brutus... And old Popeye were not on the same playing field. He was bigger, stronger, faster. He was everything. He had facial hair, amen. He was everything that I strive to be looking at Donnie, amen. I, you know what I mean? Like He was that. He was the epitome. And sure enough, though, but Popeye had something he knew nothing about. Popeye had the secret sauce that was outside of him. Ooh. That when the thing outside of him, which was the spinach, amen, got itself inside of him, the game changed. See, he'd get that can of spinach, and sometimes he'd, he'd take his teeth, amen, knock on it, he'd brrr, I mean, drill around it, sure enough, he would squirt it up in there, and that whole big can of spinach would come out, he'd stick his tongue out, roll that bad boy up in there, and then, da 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 Popeye, say it man, and he would, ah, he'd swell up, church! He'd swell up, he'd, get, he'd boom, or his muscles would explode, and soon as he'd come in there just a whooping and a whopping, and he'd clean his clock. Why? Because it took something outside of him to get inside of him so that he could stand a chance to fight against the enemy who was trying to destroy him. So here's the thing, you, need. you ain't getting it, church, because I'm here to tell you today, it takes something outside of you to get inside of you so that you will have a chance to fight against the enemy of the flesh, of the devil, and of the world itself. Because if you don't have that thing from the outside getting inside, if you don't have God's Spirit on the inside, you won't make it. 
You won't make it, church. And I don't mean you won't make it to church. I mean you won't make it to eternity. We are foolish to ever believe that we started by the Spirit and we start thinking in our heads that we can maintain by the flesh. Let me promise you something here today. I'm only here today because God's Spirit. I'm only able to love my wife because God's Spirit. I'm only able to love my neighbor because God's Spirit. I'm only able to read the Word of God because God's Spirit. It's not me that keeps God. It's God that keeps me. And this is why people strive and strive and strive and they don't get anywhere. Why? Because you're banking on your own power. We didn't say there's power in the self-help aisle. We didn't sing that this morning. We didn't sing there's power and you know, going to do these things. There's power in you doing this, you doing that. There's power. No, we said there's power in the blood. That's what we sung this morning. Because I need to tell you today, church, that the Holy Spirit does more than you can imagine. Why? Because there's power in the Holy Spirit. There's power to raise the dead. There's power to make dry bones come to life. There's power to see chains fall. There's power to make things happen. And not only is there power, but there is help. There's help for us to love. There's help for us to give. There's help for us to go. There's help for us to fight sin. Not only is there power and there's guidance, but there's also, not only is there power and there's help, but there's guidance. Why? Because God says, He will guide us in truth. He will guide us in the way. He will guide us to life. He will guide us back home. That's what the Spirit does. Let me tell you something. You want to go back? You, 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 don't, you don't believe old Popeye? You don't believe any of these guys I'm talking about. You go back and you ask, oh, Moses, if there's power in God's Spirit. You go back and you, get, you, you call up oh, Ezekiel and say, Ezekiel, is there power in God's Spirit? He said, oh, them dry bones won't come to life without it. Because let me tell you, church, there is power in God's Spirit. You know why we fail without the Lord? Because we're so prideful. If we succeeded by ourselves, we would get so prideful, we would think we would need the Lord. And you know why sometimes you feel like, man, I, I, can't, I don't feel like I could do anything. Why? Because your pride is not, not up to the mark. Because you can't save yourself. And if you can't save yourself, then by theory, guess what? You can't change yourself. I say it over and over again to our teenage girls who are looking to date somebody. You're thinking, I'm going to change him. If, unless he's got a diaper on, you can't change him, Amen. Because I can't change anybody. It took me about three days being living with my wife to find out I can't change her. She came in preloaded, amen, with a lot of things I did not know until we got married. And she came in knowing, guess what? I found out a lot of things about myself that I did not know. Because I learned a long time ago, guess what? The only hope I have of changing my life is not based on my righteousness. The only hope I have is not based on my power. The only hope I have is not based on my guidance. The only hope I have is not based on my help. We don't sing, where does my help come from? Myself. No, the only hope I have is on the Holy Spirit. Only God can do the work of God. Not you in all your best efforts. In your finest church clothes, you couldn't save yourself. This is why when God's Spirit comes to make His home in you, He changes things. He changes things. 
A sinner who's ever met Christ has never walked away unchanged. Nobody in the Bible who ever meets Jesus walked away. All, you know, they either accepted him or they rejected him. There's no middle ground with Christ. Let me give it to you another way, church. It would be like me telling you this morning in my little Corolla, me and my 03 Corolla. On I-24, I was driving, and sure enough, I swerved off the road, Donnie. I got back on the road, and I hit a semi head-on. It'd be like me telling you that right here, right now. And you might be like, Nick, you look pretty good. That crow's got a heck of an airbag, four, five-star safety feature. You'd be like, Nick, you're a liar. I'd be like, what do you mean? Be like, if you had got hit by a semi, you would bear a mark. Like, you would have something on your body. You'd have blood. You'd have something. Something would be going on with you. It is mind-blowing to me that we have people in our churches, we have people in our faith community, we have people maybe even in this room today. You've came in contact with the eternal Spirit of God and your life has not shown one mark of it. Somebody's lying there. And I don't think it's the Lord because He can't lie. God swears by Himself because He doesn't lie. You think about that. Because if you meet Christ, then the Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And if the Spirit comes and lives inside of you, the Bible says you will bear fruit. You will bear fruit. Now there might be some of you radicals in this place today. Pastor Nick, you're judging me. <laughs> I love what the Bible has to say. The Bible says if judgment's to begin anywhere, it has to begin at the house of God. It has to begin at the house of God. There's either fruit or there's not fruit. Some of y'all, you're dating somebody, you might say, well, they read their Bible, they go to church, is there fruit? Some of you boys, some of you girls, listen to me, care. is there fruit? Is there love, joy, patience, gentleness? Is there fruits of the Spirit? Let me tell you something, outside the Holy Spirit, there's been one, there's been, <laughs> I take that back, outside the Holy Spirit, there's been two things that killed my flesh in my life. Two big things that killed my, killed my flesh. Number one's my wife. She kills my flesh every day. Because I had to learn, I'm still learning, amen, how to put her first. How to put her first, of course, after the Lord. Some of y'all thinking, uh-huh. How to put her first after the Lord. I'm still learning. And then little baby Esther. Some of y'all, you're thinking, I can't wait to have a baby. Are you ready for your flesh to die? Because it will drive out everything in your flesh. It will just drive it out of you. And this is why, I'll be honest with you, I've heard y'all, y'all heard me talk about a past every, every day this month, amen. This is why for some of you single parents, I don't know how you do it. Especially with a newborn. I don't know how some of y'all did it. I really don't. Pre write a book. I'll read it. Because it is, listen to me carefully here. Shh. Listen to me carefully. It is the love for others that I found that kills the flesh the fastest. Because listen to him, and I'm done. Listen to me here carefully. Because you become like what you worship. You do. You become like what's got your attention. I love the Lord more than I love anything. And my hope is I will become more like him as the days go on. Because it's only through me loving the Lord the most am I able to love my wife the best. Amen. See me, I'm missing it. 
It's only through, listen to me carefully, you're going to miss it again. It's only through me loving my wife the most that I'm able to love my children the best. You need to get this, church. Because if I place my children before my wife, it will train wreck us. Because 18 years, hopefully, amen, they're going to leave. Guess what? Me and her are going to look at each other. What do you want to do now? Watch gun smoke? What do you want to do? Because that's the truth, church. I'll prove it to you this last little bit. You know how I know you become like your worship? The Israelites got out of Egypt. God blessed them with bukus of blessings. The Bible says when they left Egypt that anything they wanted from the Egyptians, they asked for it and they gave it to them. The Bible says that God said, I will make such a distinction between my people and their people, a dog will not bark at you. They must not have been gone by Donnie Michelle's house, amen. They said, a dog will not bark at you. So they had all these gold earrings. They had all these gold necklaces. I mean, they were looking at her like 50 cent, amen. I mean, you know what I mean? Like they like krills. <laughs> amen. They, they were decked out. Y'all see my, I made you myself. Uh, they were decked out with gold everywhere, amen. Put some dubs on it. They had gold everywhere. Gold on the wagon. They had gold everywhere. And it says that when Moses went up on Mount Sinai, he was up there talking to the Lord. Basket in the Lord's presence, literally getting the Ten Commandments given to him, Donnie. That's what he said. And oh, 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 Joshua was around him. He said, There's noise in the camp. There's noise in the camp. And he said, He said, We're getting attacked. And Moses said, Oh, no, we ain't getting attacked. They're having a party down there. I love it. One of my favorite verses off scripture. They walk down there and they got this big golden calf they made. They all hooping and hollering and jumping around. This is our God who delivered us out of Egypt. Big golden calf. Stay with me, church. I'm telling you, it's gospel truth. Kenneth was there. His hair was gold, amen. Slick back. Jumping around, this calf. You are a great calf. Our great calf. He will get us through the storm. There's power in the calf's blood. Moses got so mad he broke the commandments that God just gave him. Talk about a fumble, amen. He asked Aaron, he said, Aaron, I left you in charge for, for a few days. What happened? I love what Aaron says. Aaron said, well, this is what he said, I swear. This is from the Bible. He said, well, Moses, we took all of our gold, we threw it in a pot, and out came a calf. That's what he said, literally. told Moses this. He said, well, you're going to pay for this. You may say, Pastor Nick, why are you telling that story? It don't have a hill of beans worth doing. What you doing? Now it does. Pay attention here. Because remember what I said. You become like the thing you worship. After that incident, if you pay attention to the Bible language, Israel rebels against God. And every time they rebel, you know what he says? You are a stiff-necked people. If you looked up stiff-necked people, you know what that means? You're being stubborn as a calf who will not pull a cart. You become like you worship. You become where your attention is. And so do your children. Because you become like you worship, what you worship. So if you want to come, you want to come more like Christ, worship Christ. How do we worship Christ? Spiritual disciplines. How do we worship Christ? 
by you truly giving God your attention, not just your Sundays. Because I fully believe the Holy Spirit is really good at taking something I've messed up really bad and making it good over progressive time because he's able to do that. It's progressive sanctification. It's a slow journey. Guys, I've been walking with Christ for almost over 20 years. Just now 20 years. be almost 20 years. And every day I hope to walk with him more and more. But I learned a long time ago, it wasn't me walking side by side with Christ. It wasn't me walking side by side with the Spirit. No, it's the Spirit dragging me. It's the Spirit packing me.